When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's under the weather today. Uh, right, we dedicate this episode to our uh, struggling producer, Producer Cash. This one's for you, mate. In episode 28 of the NFL Vent Zone, it is still mock draft time, a very exciting time of year indeed. We're going to run through our draft from last week and get some external feedback. Let's see how what on. Welcome in to the NFL Vent Zone. We've got Dan Yates, Christopher, and we've got a guest here for the first time. Oh, and I'm Ollie, by the way. Uh, I forgot to do that bit. Uh, right, Jack, welcome to the NFL Vent Zone podcast. Uh, we're very excited to have you here. Um, first of all, let us know who you support and let us know who you are. Cheers, yeah, excited to be here. Thanks, Ollie. I am an NFL side of Patriots fan for all my sins. Uh, as uh, Dan will often remind me, uh, for those who uh, don't know, I know Dan from university um, for quite a while and had the pleasure of watching Super Bowl Forty Nine with him, uh, which he will have loved me bringing up. Uh, I also I love college football and I follow Ohio State, but in general cover the Big Ten more closely than, than the rest of college football, but I'll watch any and everything, really. Well, I... Hang on. No, no. I fucking knew you were going to bring that up, you know, shit. So, I did tell the story very quickly before we jumped into this. So, I went up to Leeds. We had a thing where we watched the Super Bowl together every year. Me, Jack, and our other housemate. And so, it was his turn to host. So, we were in Leeds watching it at his house. And before that last play, he tried to shake my hand. And say, like, well done, you guys have won. And then, we threw the pick. And I did not talk. I was staying in his. I didn't talk to him for the rest of the evening because of that fucking shitty little move. And I don't think I spoke to him at all before I left the next morning. I was so upset at the time. Well, I hope that it seems that it seems that relationships are okay now. But Jack, you, you've got a lot of enemies straight away on this podcast because the uh, the blank pixel to your to your right on my screen is a Dolphins fan. That being said. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before, but Tebs uh, is uh, an aggressive speaker. So Tebs, do you have anything you want to say to uh, our our resident Pats fan? Not fucking the Patriots are fucking shit now. I've got nothing to say. There we go. <laughs> so many. Yeah, yeah, Patriots. Patriots are fucking shit now. They can he can support the Patriots all they want. He, he can fuck. He can, I don't care. They're not. They're not a good team anymore. So good. No, and Dan, everything's okay with you. There's, we're all all right there. So we're all, yeah. everyone is a rough mix. We're going to start as friends. This is a, what a way to start. So as a uh, Ohio State um, fan, that's uh, quite topical for our first overall pick. We are going to run through the 12 that we did last week. Very quickly touch upon who we all, 
we picked, but then it's going to be very Jack dominant and he's going to talk us through what he would have done at each pick. So, as I said, CJ Stroud was the first overall pick. Uh, going to the Panthers, selected by uh, Tebs. Um, yeah, I mean, this is quite a, 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 a common pick here, I guess, but there could be some argument for Bryce Young to go there. Um, you can see lots of people picking either of those quarterbacks. So, what would you have done, Jack? And what well, what are you doing there, Jack? I'm going along with, with consensus. CJ Stroud is my number one quarterback. He was before the Panthers traded up and all the talk coming out of the NFL and, and all the visits and practices and combine chat is that uh, the Panthers love CJ Stroud. I think he is the most accurate quarterback in this class. He's got great size. He's got great mobility that didn't really show up on tape until the the Georgia game in the national championship semi-final. Um, but he he does possess those traits to, to be uh, kind of an all-round quarterback. I think he has a very high ceiling for the NFL and uh, a really safe floor for, for Carolina as well. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I mean, I um I saw something earlier today uh, that was the the strongest kind of um, suggestion that this might not happen, as in CJ Stroud number one, because uh, Adam Schefter said that Bryce Young visiting the Houston Texans, who hold the second overall pick, was a waste of time because he will be going number one apparently. Does, does anybody have any comments on that? That's Adam Schefter, who's very plugged in, as I know you all know said that it was a waste of time for him to be visiting with the Texans. I mean, I think it's, I think it's just the NFL trying to keep the suspense. Okay. They don't want everyone knowing what the number one pick is going to be. If you look at everything that um, the Panthers are looking for, everything that coaching staff have ever worked with, you know, it, it should be CJ Stroud. Um, unless David Tepper has somehow got in the ear and said, guys, we're taking Bryce Young, guys, we're taking Bryce Young, then I don't see why they would do it. And the NFL just like us to keep guessing. Yeah, but I suppose they, they have a uh, they have a product they want to create, and the uh, the mystery with the number one overall pick is uh, is always fun to, uh, to to think about. So I guess they could be doing that, some, conspir- some conspiracy theory already. <clears throat> so... I hope to be assumptive, but I'm going to go ahead and say you've got Bryce Young going second. I do indeed. I think uh, just on that point, I think CJ Stroud is, uh, he has the physical traits that allow the Panthers to not feel like they're taking a gamble. They've traded up to to the number one pick. They've had a bit of a dire quarterback situation for quite a while. I don't think you trade up to number one and then pick Bryce Young over CJ Stroud because of the physical limitations that Bryce Young has. I'm not saying that he will fail. I don't actually think they're that much of a weakness, but it is much more of a gamble than taking Stroud at one. And that leaves Houston with the uh, opportunity to take Bryce Young at two, and he is he has elite production at college. Bryce Young played with some really good receivers in his first year and a half uh, at Alabama. And then last year, he played with some not so good receivers and a, a weaker offensive line. And he still 
elevated that team. He is uh, an excellent mobile quarterback. And the the only knock on him is his height, but more probably more concerning his weight being slightly uh, under what you would want as a quarterback. Yeah. I should jump on that quickly. One of the things that, that showed up for me when I watched the tape is a little bit of a lack of arm power as well, certainly compared to someone like CJ Stroud. Which makes sense. So if you look at the the short and medium throws, the kind of 5, 10, 12-yard throws, he's, he's the most accurate. Anything 15 or, or more down the field that he's got to put a little sauce on is where he loses that accuracy because he has to really try to fire it in there. So, which I think at the NFL level does create a challenge, even ignoring the size and accuracy issues. Uh, even ignoring the size and weight issues, sorry. I think that's one thing that will get some people a little nervous. You know, if you look at a cover two hole shot towards the sideline, for example, if he's got a fire that in against NFL talent, I think that's that's somewhere that he could struggle, you know, as a player. But I don't think anyone's really talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense when you look at when you look at it. And that, obviously, Dan, that was something that you picked out last week uh, on the on the pod as as a concern. And frankly, it makes a lot of sense when you consider some of the absolute behemoths you have on defensive lines that could uh, that could pose a threat to such a small person. Now, Dan, I'll come back to you then because obviously we've got a lot to hear from Jack throughout this podcast. Uh, as you pointed out last week, the issue being the size uh, and um, well, the height and the just general size. Say, for example, he was as big as CJ Stroud, but had the the skill set and the talent and the production that Bryce Young has. Does that reverse them? Does that reverse the um? Definitely, yeah. For you. So he's he's got the talent. It's just it's just a um the size issue. The the talent and the production is is right up there with people anyone that we've seen at college. Yeah, pretty much ever. Certainly, he'd be in the same kind of conversation as a Trevor Lawrence when he was coming out, or Joe Burrow the year that he came out, um, or even going back slightly further than that. If he was that size, you know, if he was 6'3", 6'4", 220, 230, we'd be talking about him the same way we talked about Andrew Luck. Yeah. But, but he isn't, and he's never going to be, and that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, cool, good. That is kind of what I thought, and it's, it's just good. And I assume, Jack, that you were kind of nodding along there, so that's some that's it. Something you agree with as well? Yeah, I agree. They would, I think Bryce Young doesn't struggle where shorter quarterbacks struggle in terms of throwing the ball over the middle of the field. I think he caters for that really well. He has a really elastic arm. He can throw the ball at different angles. It is the concern about him taking a big hit. That's where he. That's his only flaw. He he could break with one. 300 pound lineman slacking him in the in the ribs in the head yeah i mean you look at talent yeah i mean i i feel like i always bring up trey lance on this podcast but you look at how how many times he's got injured in his short career and he's uh he's a little bit larger than bryce young so um yeah that could be an issue um right so we spent obviously quite a lot of time now talking about the quarterbacks which does make sense uh in a when you're when you're talking about the nfl draft uh, but maybe the next pick can be a bit briefer because to me, it, it just felt like an obvious one, right? It's a very, the first, the first non-quarterback off the board, Will Anderson looks 
rock solid, right? Absolutely. He's arguably the most talented player in, in this draft. Need obviously dictates quarterbacks first. He's got a unbelievable sophomore season of 17 and a half sacks and 31 tackles for loss in a college season that is much shorter than an NFL one. He's got the size, he's got the power. He's a blue chip talent that you want to build around. Now, I don't think Arizona are going to pick here, but if they do, this is the direction they should be going in. Yeah, cool. I think, I mean, I think we're all absolutely on lockstep here. I don't think any of us, uh, I mean, if I was Arizona or an Arizona fan, I'd want to be trading out of there. Right, over to Tebs then. So Tebs picked for Indianapolis Colts. And um, this was the first point where I really felt anything could happen. So Tebs, uh, if you could just remind us who you picked and why um, at, with for the Indianapolis Colts. So obviously the Colts very much in the same vein as the uh, well, I'd I'd say even worse off than the Panthers has been uh, the Colts quarterback situation. So it was going to be a quarterback, and um, obviously it's between Richardson and Levis. But you know, given our, our draft, we didn't really rank Levis particularly very highly. So Richardson is the man I think will be going to the Indianapolis Colts. It's, it's you know it's as simple as they need a quarterback to obviously number one compete and also stop being a laughing stock of the league with all of these court these just journeyman quarterbacks who come in and ruin their legacies in Indianapolis and then um, so they might as well try and ruin someone young. That's all I'm saying. So I don't think Richard said. Over to you, Jack. Yeah, I would also be taking uh, Anthony Richardson here to the Colts. I agree completely with what Tebs has said. The Colts need to stop the merry-go-round of of veterans, stop gaps. And in this spot, Anthony Richardson has fallen to with possibly the highest ceiling out of any of the quarterbacks, with also the highest possibility to bust. I think when you look at Richardson's tape, you can see everything. You can see some incredible traits, some brilliant throws, some great pocket manipulation. You can also see him running down a blind alley. You can see complete inaccuracy and overthrows. And it's almost a confirmation bias central. If you like Anthony Richardson, you'll see all the things that you like. If you don't like his play, you'll just have that confirmed by watching his tape. I think his footwork is something that really needs to improve, but his arm strength, his speed, his athleticism is elite. And as we look at Lamar Jackson, whatever is going on with him, but his time at the Ravens is kind of what Indianapolis are shooting for here, the upside of a quarterback that needs some development, especially in the passing game, but has the traits to elevate the whole team and and you say you know quarterbacks have tarnished their reputation going to the Colts the Colts reputation has been tarnished from a a a strong playoff contender year after year to to not that they're a bit of a joke (laughs) yeah I mean that's that's an interesting point there actually in terms of when you have a product a raw product like Richardson um you can see what you want to see. If you want to see the bad things, you'll find the bad things. If you want to see the good things, you can find the good things. Um, right, because we're going to talk about quarterbacks a lot later. I mean, it, we'll, we'll move on now because but I know that with Dan and Tevs, we'll get some more comments on the quarterback position later. Um, 
But now that we're past the first four picks, it does start to open up um, open up things quite a lot. And uh, Dan, we'll come to you then, because obviously you got to pick for your Seattle Seahawks. So talk us through what you did. Yeah, this was the easiest pick of the whole next draft for me. Uh, if Jalen Carter's there, and I don't have any reason to think he wouldn't be, I think the Seahawks run this one in. Um, we couldn't stop the run. We needed the alignment. He is everything. In the, everything you want to see from that position. He can play nose, he can play three technique. He's a huge space eater. He's good at the pass rush as well. The character concerns, I don't think Pete Carroll will be worried about. I think he'll be confident that their culture can turn around if there are problems. I don't think the problems are well overblown at the moment. So I think we run it. And who are we to disagree with the Seattle Seahawks fan? I completely agree that Jalen Carter is a dream for Seattle and Pete Carroll. They will not have concerns over the character issues because they pride themselves of being a place where character issues are ironed out and uh, players are made better by the culture at, uh, at the Seahawks. So I think Jalen Carter won't fall as far as people maybe want him to fall and he will be snapped up by Pete Carroll. He will bring immediate impact especially to the run defense that uh you know seattle were 30th in yards per game allowed in on rush defense last year jalen carter will swallow up blockers he has elite first step quickness and is able to kind of shed blockers really quickly really well uh, and swallow up swallow up the ball carrier i think as he progresses you'll get more penetration from him as he learns and develops kind of an NFL skill set. You might start to see him getting to the quarterback, getting through to the backfield a bit more consistently, but from the get-go, he's going to bring a positive uptick in the run defense in Seattle. Yeah, and as uh, Dan pointed out last week, uh, this is a player who has all of fame potential on a talent perspective, and it was a free pick for the Seahawks, which is just sickening. Uh, for anyone ever fan uh, of a te- of the other teams in that division, so that's frustrating. Uh, but yeah, cool. So we've been we've been in 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 lockstep. Then would you say, Jack? Uh, Jack in terms of uh, our picks and your picks, you you wouldn't have differed too much from what we've done so far. No, I think they kind of feel quite naturally a good fit at the moment. Of course, draft night will probably completely turn that on its head because it always does, but. We're addressing the needs with the right players that are in that kind of elite tier of talent, um, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, um, I think obviously the big wild card being the um, the third overall pick with uh, everyone here, and frankly, I think everyone in the industry expecting Arizona to uh, trade out of that pick. So on the topic of draft night, um, are you, uh, Jack, are you someone that will stay up throughout the night to watch it? As a, as a college nut, will you be up? History would say yes, but two small children will challenge that assumption. Um, really? Why have you done that, mate? Yeah, I'll I'll definitely be up for the first round. And second second night might be on record and catching up in one of the many night wake ups. So <laughs> I'll be I'll be keeping an avid eye on on every step. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love draft night, but I agree with you. As much as I can, I like to watch the first the first night live, but you just can't do that for the second, third. Uh, Dan, are you? Will you be? uh, Will you be up in the middle of the night? 
So on the first night, I've actually double booked myself um, with something that I can't get out of. So that's a bit of a disaster. Well, in the middle of the night, you've got a, you've got something going on. How so about the, the, the evening? Um, we're not on about the evening. <laughs> it goes on in the middle of the night, Dan. I don't know if you know this. This sports based in America. Yeah, I did notice that. Maybe for happy. Um, but no, I think I'm going to miss the first round, unfortunately. That's sad. Tebs, do you uh, do you ever stay up to watch the uh, to watch the draft? Typically, I do. Yeah, t- t- typically it's something that I don't miss. You know, multiple times um, when I was at Uni Lincoln, I remember we, uh, me and some of the other football players team, rented out one of the rooms in the library and got McDonald's and all watched it you know, on the big screen in there. Um, this year, uh, I'm unsure. Just because, obviously, as I state, based on every single uh, draft show, Dolphins don't have a pick in the first round. So, it, it, by point of this, if I'm awake at that time, I'll probably put it on. But uh, I'm not going to make um, I'm not going to make a big effort for it uh, this summer. I'm not going to put anything in. Um, I'm not going to put anything in writing for <laughs> okay. staying up this year. Don't worry, Tebs. We won't hold you to it. Ever the mystery man. Uh, right, so here we go. Here we come on to the sixth overall pick, and this, I believe, is where it starts to get. We're going to go down some separate paths. So, uh, it was me picking um, at number six for the Detroit Lions. Um, this was their pick, I believe, from the Rams. So another free pick, if you can kind of look at it that way. So with with the Lions, the the defense really did start to come on last year, and um, I know they picked. Well, actually, this pick has become more relevant since uh since i made it because jeff okuda has now left the building um and uh now i think it makes even more sense but even before then cornerbacks are really important position uh there's two top cornerbacks at the top of the top of the draft um and to me witherspoon just sounded like a better fit and uh, as dan so bluntly put it witherspoon is a psycho and i just thought do you know what dan campbell will like his psychos so um what do you say to that please jack I love the pick. It's it's not where I've gone, but Devin Witherspoon is a, a man on a mission on every single play. Such a physical corner, and we will come on to him later. I've I've picked him later down the line, going somewhere else where I think um, maybe I've taught myself out of him here at, at six to Detroit because I would really love to see him land somewhere else. Uh, not that he would be a bad fit in Detroit, but I've I've gone. In a similar direction, of I've, I've got another cornerback here, as you say, with Akuda being traded. And actually, you know, we're not drafting for uh, one year here. We're drafting for the next three, four years. And the Lions 24 roster has Cam Sutton at cornerback under contract, and that's it. So I've seen mock drafts where the Lions are taking two corners with their two first-round picks, which would be uh, quite a night in in maybe an unspectacular way but you can't have too many corners you need lots of them on the field at once you need lots of them to cover so i've picked christian gonzalez who i think is the the other top cornerback in the draft he's got the more prototypical size for a corner that you would like to see he played under dan lanning at oregon in his final year and dan lanning has quite a a track history of, of coaching up good cornerbacks uh, my example of that would be Kylie Ringo at Georgia had an excellent freshman, sophomore, junior year. 
And then when Dan Lanning left, slipped out of that first round conversation. So he's in the draft this year, but has kind of suffered for, for that coaching leaving. Gonzalez is a very smooth cover corner, very athletic, long arms, aggressive, not as aggressive as Devin Witherspoon, but that's hard to match. And I think he's a good fit in Detroit. He's very coachable. He comes across very well, very disciplined. He has very quick recovery speed as well, which is something that Witherspoon doesn't necessarily have. Not that Gonzalez gets beaten that often, but if he does, he will race back on the play and he can catch those top-end receivers. And I think that's a really important in today's NFL where passing is king. Yeah, I mean, I thought that um, both of the quarterbacks sounded physical, uh, which is obviously, which which helps with um, with that, that the, the Lions kind of uh, ethos. Um, Dan, kind of, kind of put you on the spot here because I can't really remember it. I don't think we really got your opinion on this last week, but um, where would you have gone for the Lions? Would, would you have gone at the cornerback position? Do you have a take between uh, Witherspoon and Gonzalez? Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I probably would have gone with Witherspoon um, because I think he fits there very nicely. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge need for them. Uh, the other one that I did think about in that spot was Tyree Wilson. Um, stick him opposite Hutchinson and you've got a pair of pass rushers that will destroy most sets of tackles in the league um, but I think Witherspoon makes sense I think I know where Jack's going to put Witherspoon later but we'll see uh, I think if I went for a corner that wasn't him he's clearly the number one corner in the draft in my opinion but uh, Gonzalez is a better prototypical corner so what I mean by that is Witherspoon is a smaller guy. He's like 5'10", I think. Um, Gonzalez is 6'1". So if you look at his body type, he is what you would typically see of an NFL corner where he's a bit longer, he's got a bit more reach, he's a bit faster. Um, so I think he would fit well if you're looking for someone that is, you know, you just watch him on the field and you go, he's an NFL cornerback, that's what you get in Gonzalez. Witherspoon is a freak and a psycho that not every coach will love because he's not got the size that they want. Um, so Gonzalez is definitely there. The other corner that I think is worth thinking about, I don't think a lot of people are talking about right now, is DJ Taylor in Michigan, who is similar in size to Witherspoon, but he has some of the best hits I've ever seen coming out, coming out of college, um, which is so big. He can play inside, he can play outside. So I think about that there as well, but Gonzalez is, is a great fit. So maybe that was Turner, do you say, as, a, as a potentially a, someone you can get who's going to be super productive, just a, a bit of a discount. So that's the name to look out for later in the first round or maybe the second. Um, and obviously you've mentioned Tyree Wilson there. I know that you like that guy because you were very strong on selecting him a little bit later on, but let's not have any spoilers because what's the fun in that? Las Vegas Raiders, so Teb selected an immediate replacement for the very talented Darren Waller, who's obviously left the building. Um, would you be going tight end? I know it's a very, very strong class this year, stronger than we're used for the tight end position, um, but would you be using a pick on tight end this time? It's interesting because traditionally, absolutely not. I wouldn't want to take, I uh, wouldn't want my team to be taking a, a tight end here, but like you say, it's a strong class. 
with, I would argue, three at the very top, with Michael Mayer being my my number one tight end as an all-round tight end. I know um, Dalton Kin- Kincaid is a very popular choice for tight end one as well. I think they offer very different skill sets. And Michael Mayer is a truly polished all-round tight end who does everything really, really well. And uh, his he's elite in the blocking game and and providing protection for his quarterback uh, and creating holes for his running back while also being very good up the seam on on seam routes in particular. Uh, so I can understand why he's gone there, especially with um, Darren Waller leaving. Uh, I would say quite surprisingly, I didn't see that coming. Um, so yeah, I, I can see why that was the pick. But I think, I think Las Vegas have a real big need on the offensive line, and I have them snapping up the uh, probably consensus two or three offensive tackle. But my favourite offensive tackle in Paris Johnson, mm-hmm. he's an Ohio State Buckeye, so uh, a bit uh, hedged my bets there again. Um, but he has kind of successfully switched well sorry successfully switched from guard in his final year to help his NFL stop but also to um support CJ Stroud and and allow him to have the season he had and he's got the ideal physique for as an offensive tackle he's got long arms he can use those really effectively for uh, good reach blocks and he's got really good finesse to partner with the power that he generates with his body he will finish a play, or he will finish it in the right way. He's got the aggression, he's got the power, but he also has the the game smart to know where and when to to put somebody on the deck. Uh, I don't trust the Raiders to make a sensible pick at this spot, so I have no idea what they will do. There's lots of mocks uh, and lots of popular opinion that they still need a quarterback, with Jimmy Garoppolo's deal being quite... Um, short-term friendly for the team and Will Levis is being mocked to the Raiders here but I absolutely hate that pick and I couldn't do it I couldn't do that here yeah well I mean yeah the Raiders not making good decisions in the draft is particularly a weird one when you consider that it was Mike Mayock making picks and he was he was the uh the NFL's representative as a draft expert and uh then you have Cleveland Ferrell being picked in the top 10, I believe, or maybe I'm not right. But um, yeah, that was uh, that's a fair assessment there uh, with them not making a smart pick. Tebs, would you still go? Um, would you uh, stand by your pick of, uh, of Michael Mayer um, after hearing all of that? No, no, but again, I still I still can't go over the fact much as uh, was said previously that I still can't believe they let go of Darren right. Waller. Like, I, I don't, like, there's not a lot of, you know, big playmakers on the Raiders. Like, he is number one, clear, well, maybe not clear in a way, but he's still, like, one of the biggest threats they have. And, nope, just going to let him go. So, but I do think that they'll get a tight end, but if it, I can understand why it wouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, yeah, I completely agree. It was a interesting move um uh, and maybe one they'll regret but let's move on with the draft so up next after the uh, the raiders as we've touched upon 
Atlanta. This was a very, very easy pick for Dan. Is it an easy pick for you, Jack? Yeah, we're back in step here. Tyree Wilson can't slip much further than this. Um, he is, as as Dan said last week, a, a man mountain who has had five years of production in the Big 12. He's caused havoc inside and outside on that line um, for Texas Tech. I think he is strong and powerful and he absolutely loves the bull rush. So if you can uh if you could put him in a situation one on one, he's gonna he's gonna go through you. That's the kind of rusher he is. Yeah, I mean I feel like when it comes to edge defenders, when you have there's sometimes this this most simple picks to make and we could just move on because it was with um Will Anderson earlier and with Tyree Wilson, sometimes it just makes too much sense. It's too much of an important position and top ten picks should be spent at that position. So I'm gonna move swiftly on. Uh, to Chicago so this was the number one overall pick this was definitely a place where um, it's not as straightforward you could go in a number of ways uh, my logic here was simply to support uh, Justin Fields you've got to go all in on your quarterback um, he was he showed some flashes last year some insane talent uh, needs to work on actually passing the ball which is important for a quarterback um, I wanted a wide receiver thought about tight end uh, landed on an offensive lineman, and the offensive lineman I landed on was Okoronski. Uh, no, Skoronski, sorry. Uh, now, Skoronski, um, uh, Dan disagreed with this. Uh, I'm interested to hear your take, Jack. Yeah, I think this is a... The, the Bears have several options to go with. I would love to have mocked another wide receiver. I know they've just added DJ Moore, but if you compare Justin Fields with Jackson Smith and Jigba, that would be like a, a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase kind of dream mm -hmm. situation. I've not done that because I think, like you, Justin Fields needs more protection. Unfortunately, there is almost like a teardrop here. If I think about the draft, I think any team from maybe eight downwards might be looking to trade down uh, and struggle to find a trade partner because the like blue chip players has kind of ended. Um, I mean, Devin with the spoon aside, maybe uh, in my job. Well, and Bijan Robinson is a blue chip club. He is very, very different. I think it's different when you're talking about running backs, isn't it? But I, I have mocked Skaronski here to the Bears because they do need protection for Justin Fields. There are a lot of offensive tackles in this draft class that might find themselves first round picks because the need is high and they're they're very closely matched depending on on what you're looking for in a in a tackle obviously Skaronski might not play tackle in the NFL um he might he most likely will pay play guard but I think he knows that he is is very explosive off the snap which helps him get that first contact uh, and he has excellent timing so when he gets that that first step explosiveness and his combine it with his expert timing he can kind of do what he wants with uh whoever he's up against and that really helps out his quarterback he played for northwestern who were dreadful in the last year two years they got to the big 10 championship game a couple of years ago and always looking well and it's just kind of fallen off a cliff and he's been the bright spark out out of Northwestern, and I think he'll bring some protection to to Justin Fields. That's good stuff, and he's a local boy as well, so that's 
that's always good uh, in the draft. So over to Tebs then. Tebs, this was one of the funnest picks. I think we were all uh, in agreement of the top 10. Um, you selecting the explosive running back, Bijan Robinson for the Eagles. Was it a no-brainer for you, Tebs? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely not. This is the most stressful one um, that I had to deal with because, you know, like the Eagles are, obviously, they're very good. They made the Super Bowl this year. Um, but I don't know. Wouldn't it, just, it would just, wouldn't it just be good? Just put just put Robinson in there, make an offense that is so dynamic that it's almost unfathomable. But I do understand that there are there are other needs. But it's when you have a team like the Eagles that are you know very much elite, you may need to pick you know the most elite person on the board. Um, and I think that Robinson is that for the running back, and I do still think the Eagles need. Um, they need they need someone in the backfield that's like a um, Saquon Barkley. They need someone. They need a franchise guy there because like they've already got like franchise guys at receiver. They've got they've got their franchise QB. They've got a great defense, but they're just missing that franchise running back. And I thought, well, might as well might as well have it here. So obviously they lost a lot of uh, they lost a lot of defenders. Well, they lost lots of people everywhere, including the coaching room. Um, would you would you uh, would you go for this uh, exciting pick, or would you try and plug some of the gaps on defense, Joe? Ah, uh, well, I I love the pick. I think Bijan Robinson is a top ten quality player in this draft. He's just not going to be valued in that way by the NFL. The Cowboys aren't picking in the top ten, so he's not going to go in the top ten. <laughs> um, I heard a Cowboys fan talk about Bijan Robinson this year and say. The Eagles, the Eagles would hugely benefit from having him here, but the Eagles are not a poverty franchise, so they're not going to take a running back at pick 10. So we'll see uh, what happens. I can absolutely see him going to the Cowboys at uh, 20, 21, wherever they're picking. Um, but no, I this is where I have almost held on to Devin Witherspoon as the perfect fit in Philadelphia, which... Uh, I think he is the perfect replacement for um, Gardner Johnson, who has has left. Uh, he rejected his con contract offer and ended up in a one-year prove-it deal again, which doesn't make much sense. But uh, Witherspoon can play that hybrid cornerback safety position with the aggression that he has, with the size that he has in a defense that is fully established. Obviously, they lost a couple of pieces, but they re-signed a fair, fair few. And I think the physicality that Witherspoon brings will really flourish in in Philadelphia. Yeah, a uh, a, a good uh, draft stud goes to a uh, Super Bowl uh, runner up team, so that's that's not a bad match. Um, okay, right. So this is where uh, we had our maybe our biggest shock of the uh, draft, and I'll obviously throw it over to Dan here. We'll have another discussion about quarterbacks because Dan gave the Titans with the Lemfrevel pick Hendon Hooker. Talk us through it, Dan. Yeah, so I think um if Hooker didn't have an ACL injury, he'd be he'd be in the conversation to the top top pick. Um and I think he's everything he's got everything you want to see out of a prototypical NFL QB prospect. He's got size, he's got accuracy, he's got arm strength, he's got good decision making. 
for a team that are actively in the market for a QB and have Tannehill on the contract for one more year, I think it's a perfect fit. I don't necessarily think they'll be picking here, but um, I think that he fits in so well in what they're trying to build there because he can sit behind Tannehill for a year, learn a bit more, develop a bit more, and then take over when Tannehill runs out of money next year. So uh, that's why I picked it. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I hate this pick at 12, but I love this pick in the third round. And I think that's maybe even the second round. I just think you can wait until the third round to pick up Endon Hooker because of the injury, because he is older. He's, you know, 18 months older than Jalen Hurts is right now. And Jalen Hurts has taken a couple of years to establish himself in the NFL. Now, the argument being that Hooker is developed in college. He had a couple of tricky years at Virginia Tech in an offense that didn't suit him or anyone on offense and and then moved to Tennessee and had an absolutely stellar 2022 season before his injury. He was, you know, he was the Heisman front runner for a lot of last year before he got injured. He has that good size, like you say, he's got speed. He's visibly improved year on year with, with his mechanics and his throwing style. He's played in the SEC against some of the best players available and he put up some unreal statistics. So I, I love him as a quarterback. I think the injury and his age are the only knocks on on him. And potentially the, the offense he played in, in Tennessee is slightly gadgety. He had a lot of uh, maybe inflated numbers when he hit Jalen Hyatt down the field who was one-on-one and... Jalen Hyatt one-on-one is going to get open and he's going to go to the end zone. But I, I really like Hendon Hooker. He's a lot of fun to watch. I just, I I don't like him at 12. Yeah, so that that does make uh, a lot of sense. Um, in the sense that you're, you're, you're much more aligned with how the rest of the kind of NFL industry has it. Um, but Dan is our kind of uh, resident hot take guy and uh, it wouldn't be an episode of the NFL Vent Zone if Dan didn't come out so involved. And the logic is definitely there. Um, but so it is for both of you. Uh, right. We are going to talk, continue talking about quarterbacks here. I'm going to have to ask you to both make it quite concise because it's been a long episode. Um, but with the number 11 overall pick, you don't have the Tennessee Titans picking Hendon Hooker. First of all, we do need to get who you would have picked at this position. Um, and second, do you think Will Levis would have been a realistic pick here? Um, and kind of off the back of that, Let's talk about the order that you do have your quarterbacks at the top five. Sorry, that's a lot of questions. Go through them in whatever order you want. <laughs> sure. The player I have mocked here to the Tennessee Titans is Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. I think being an offensive lineman at Georgia has its draft pedigree in itself. I think he's a big, agile, strong, athletic tackle who who will be in first round conversation whether this is too high for him that's debatable but Tennessee need an offensive tackle Skaronski is put draft uh, mock drafted there all the time but he's gone so yeah that's who I'd have there quarterback wise I personally don't like Will Levis here either I think it's too high for the gamble on Will Levis I do have him uh, as my next quarterback after Hendon Hooker. 
I think the the order that these quarterbacks have been drafted in are the is the order that I would rank them in, or I would want them on my team in 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 CJ Stroud and then Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson. Then I would would want Hendon Hooker. I would be gambling on his recovery from the injury and his age. Then I guess if you're strong arming me into putting Will Levis somewhere, I'll put Will Levis next. I don't love the um, mayo in his coffee, eating a banana whole character that he brings. Red flag. But red flags. Red flags as a friend, I would imagine. But uh, red flags uh, as a player are basically he he totally relies on his arm strength. Everything he does is generated from his arm, which means that his body work is sloppy and his footwork is is really quite poor i think he was well he was beaten out at penn state by sean clifford who is awful he's a <laughs> terrible quarterback sean clifford somehow has played with the super senior stuff he's played for like six or seven years at penn state and i don't understand i think will levis is a better quarterback than sean clifford but he his career took a step back by having to transfer and going to Kentucky. I think that was that did the world of good for him because he is now a mock first draft first round quarterback. Sorry, but yeah. I don't see it personally. He's but not the quarterback I want the Patriots drafting. But we've got Mac Jones, and I didn't really want us to take Mac Jones either. So. There you are. You said that you would have like Hendon Hooker and Moore as like in the third round. Is does that mean that you would only feel comfortable with, with Will Levis that low as well, or for him perhaps because of no injury and no and not the age issue, he could be a second rounder for you? I think my opinion is definitely not the NFL's opinion. So I personally, I would be happy taking Will Levis in the second or the third. Maybe I was too harsh on Hooker. I'm thinking that with the injury that he might fall to the third round, early third, but I would take Hooker above Levis. I There is not enough good things that I see on tape and from games that I've watched with the Will Levis that I would want him to be a starting quarterback for my team if I were GM. He's another player where I spoke about confirmation bias before. You will see the things that you love about Will Levis are so obvious is his arm strength and his leadership skills. But also if you don't like him, you will see all the things that you, that you don't want to see in a quarterback and the right coaching staff can work on that. But that he's a big project. He's a bigger project than I think most people are talking about. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think that, that sounds like a, a lot of what Dan was saying last week. So obviously we've we've there got CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and um, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, and then Will Levis. So Dan, just quickly, is that the order that you have them as well? Yeah, it's the same order that I've got them in. I do, I do think I'm higher on on Hooker than the Jack is. I fully expect him to be a first round guy. Um, I actually think there's going to be five QBs go in the first round. I think Hooker will be the last one, but I think he should be ahead of Levis for all the reasons Jack talked about. He Levis needs to sit behind somebody and learn how to be a quarterback because right now he's not. His footwork is trash. His mechanics are awful. And his decision-making is not good. 
Um, so people thinking that he'll be the you know the number three pick in the draft. I mean, that would be a mistake for any team to take him that high, in my opinion. Um, but one quarterback I want to talk to you about very quickly is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Why is this guy not getting more butt? From from if just watching the tape, if you don't think about him as a prospect, read what everyone else is writing and just watch the film. What does this guy not have? He's athletic, he's got good accuracy. It's not perfect, but it's it's good. It, his decision making is good. He's in my mind, at least a second round pick, could be back end of first. And people are talking about him as if he's a, you know, practice squad fourth QB on a roster type guy. What what am I missing? I loved watching DTR in college playing at UCLA. He like you say, he has put everything on tape. I would disagree with the decision making point. I think he can be quite indecisive and open himself up to turnovers. He can plant his feet and become a bit unaware of what is around him in the pocket, which leads to strip sacks, fumbles. He'll also uh, can make throws out of desperation. Fairly often is probably too harsh, but I think you, you can see desperation throws that that turn into turnovers on his tape partly that is playing in the pack 12 where literally anything can happen in that conference UCLA are a historic program but they're not very good at the moment but the whole of the pack 12 is kind of anyone can beat anyone it's almost like a you know the English Premier League of of college football where anything can happen and he's having to make a ridiculous number of throws per game and if you make that many number if you make that many throws you're going to make some that are mistakes and, and and i think that's where he's falling in in on draft boards his decision making and and potentially his like deep arm strength i think in in the short and intermediate he's got very good velocity on his throws deeper downfield not so much but i think if he's if he's protected in the right system that decision making is very coachable and i got pretty close to say he's above levis for me because i think he's going to start or should start sooner than levis levis has a much higher ceiling sure dtr will be a you know his ceiling is probably a, an average starting nfl quarterback but my god there are a lot of teams that need an average starting nfl quarterback because they don't have one yeah so it's not certainly the year to be an average NFL yeah. starting quarterback prospect. <laughs> like, I think if he came out last year, he'd be getting a huge amount more buzz than he is now. Because compared to QBs that were taken in the third round last year, for example, he's bad at all, in my opinion. Well, look, there we have it. There's some good bonus quarterback content. We're going to move on because we've not finished the draft yet. But that's definitely a name to look out for. And some added context to the quarterback room uh, with this year's NFL draft. Uh, we do have one final pick to go, and it is another one where it could go in any direction. Um, the Houston Texans, picking at 12, would have obviously just selected their new franchise quarterback. As I've said before, very important to support um, a young QB, and I was very tempted by uh, a wide receiver at this position. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba or 
uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, obviously, you've got the tight ends there as well. Uh, Dan would have gone with uh, Kincaid here. Tebbs was eyeing up one of the receivers. But I thought D'Amico Ryan's obviously defensive coach. Uh, he's going to want to to build that defense, uh, which is uh, the 49ers built the lines. And uh, I think he's going to go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so with Lucas Van Ness, where would you go, Jack? I would go with Tebbs. I would go with a wide receiver here. I do like Lucas Van Ness. He played in a really strong Iowa defense. He played a fairly limited number of snaps, but not because he doesn't have the quality, but because Iowa are so strong in their rotation uh, across the defensive uh, defensive line that he is fresh. He has a lot less snaps under his belt and is a, a first-round talent. No question about it, in my opinion. But Jackson Smith and Jigba is the in a tier on his own in terms of wide receivers for me in this draft. Again, he played at Ohio State. I'm biased on on this point, but uh, Bryce Young needs a weapon to throw the ball to. Bryce Young's going to be thrown in to start straight away. And uh, Nico Collins is, is fine, but Brandon Cooks is gone. And Jackson Smith and Jigba has qualities that make him your number one target, even if he's not your prototypical outside receiver. So Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have lit up the NFL in their first year, and they both have praised JSN as as the best receiver in the room at Ohio State. And I think the reasons for that, he's got incredibly fluid movements. He's a great route runner, and he's got vice-like hands. He will catch everything that comes his way. And that's what a rookie quarterback needs, someone who is going to catch everything that is thrown at him. He can run across the field. He can manipulate space really well, and he always knows where he is on the field. So you will see him make NFL catches in his college tape where he is making sure that he gets two two feet in. He was already practicing how to play in the NFL when he was at Ohio State. And there's some ridiculous catches that he's made, but he also understands where the space is when he catches the ball going across the middle. And that is exactly what Houston needs. That's exactly what a rookie quarterback wants, uh, like a best friend to to catch yeah. everything that comes his way. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, you need to support your, your young QBs to give them a chance. Um, and uh, they, they need Bryce Young to work out. So give him every chance to succeed. Uh, so yeah, Jack, thank you so much, mate. That's a, it's a fun, fascinating look in comparison to uh, the the top 12 in our mock drafts. I think have it just kind of scanning back through yours. Um, I guess you, it's a little bit more orthodox in the sense that there's more offensive tackles have gone. That's very typical to see it in an actual NFL draft. Um, we matched up on the uh, edges and um, there was an extra cornerback as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll publish this uh, so that everybody can read it. Um, but yeah, what an episode, boys. What an episode. That was some heavy uh, college content. And i got to say, Jack, I loved every minute of that. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Um, and I can't wait for the draft. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely uh, brilliant. So uh, do enjoy that when it comes around. And hopefully your, your young ones let you enjoy that. Um, but we'll leave it there, boys. 
Thank you so much, Jack, again. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tebs. We will be back next week uh, for a more traditional episode of The Vent Zone. So make sure to get wound up as much as possible over the next week and join us to get it off your chest. Uh, but until then, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you later. Podcast Network.